Hello and welcome to The Joe Mobley Show. I'm your host, Joe Mobley, and you're listening to the only place in cyberspace where we talk about being conservative. We hit on current events, the politically correct cancel culture, and problems with civil discourse. But most importantly, we discuss what you can do to come out of the conservative closet. The Joe Mobley Show is a new and exciting podcast that airs weekly on Monday mornings. We have a range of controversial topics on deck. Even so, it's important that we hear from you what matters most. Be sure to send questions, comments, and things you'd like to hear discussed to ask at thejoemobleyshow.com. That's ask at thejoemobleyshow.com. To make sure you stay informed on the latest content, be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to great podcasts. We are back with Brad Hill, uh, part two of the Joe Mobley Show interview with Brad Hill. Um, and we're just going to pick up right where we left off. Um, man, you're talking about what's the name of that author again? Uh, uh, Greg, Greg Boyd. Yeah, Greg Boyd. B-O-Y-D. Yeah, Greg man, Boyd. Man, you were saying about Greg Boyd uh, and his writing, you know, the benefit of the doubt, but also, like, people are so afraid to even ask the question. That's got to yeah. go away. You know, we, people have got to be, you know, em, empowered. I don't know if that's the right word, um, but we, we've got to be comfortable enough in our own skin to ask the question. Yeah. Yeah. Man, sometimes I think um, it's almost as if sometimes we're, we're afraid that there'll be something we ask that, that we won't be able to get an answer for or that maybe could rock our own faith if we, if we truly ask that question and allow it to, to play out, you know, um, to its full extent. And, um, man, I, I, I just think that's, I think that's a, 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 a true, um, fear or, or, you know, question that people might have, but, but just to say there's, man, if, if we're banking our eternity and, and how we live our entire life, what we teach our children, everything else on, on, um, on this Jesus and how he lived his life and how he died for us and, and, you know, all the truth that embodies, then man, there should be nothing that we're afraid to ask. And, uh, um, it's interesting, um, Joe thinking about it when, uh, I love the book of Job, um, man, it's just got so much in it, <clears throat> but, um, at, at one point in it, you know, Joe, Job gets pretty indicting towards, towards God and what he's, um, you know, saying God has done to him. And uh, it gets towards the end where God is is finally intervening, explaining, of course, when he does, he rebukes all of Job's friends who seem to be the religious guys with the answers. He really jumps all over them. And what he said about Job is, he said, but but essentially in the Hebrew, um, he, says, Job, he says, Job has spoken rightly. Um, and, and it literally means to like shoot straight. It means like Job has shot straight with me. And, and he commended him for that, even amidst his questions and accusations and wondering what's going on, why am I going through this and everything else. And, uh, and God actually seemed to, to uh, uh, credit the person who questioned him and, and was honest and, and about where they were at, what they felt, what they were experiencing. Um, you know, God didn't shy away from that at all. And that's always been really you know, interesting, interesting to me, that response. 
Yeah, I don't know if you um, know this, but Job's actually my favorite book of the Bible. No, I didn't um, know that. <laughs> yeah, across the board. And Man, we have all so, kinds of things in common. You're a J.P. Moreland fan. <laughs> I didn't know that, Joe. Oh, yeah, J.P., man. He's he's the man. Um, and, uh, oh, there's another author um, that just popped into my head, and then the cover of his book popped in, and now it's gone. So I'm just going to move oh, on. It'll come for you. But, uh, yeah, it'll come. It's actually over. Can I see it from here? Nope, can't see it from here. Um, my, so even more than my favorite book, my favorite word in the Bible, and yes, you know, people say this is weird, but you know, if you really get in and spend some time, then you will develop favorite words, favorite phrases, things that just make you feel good or encourage when you think about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but my favorite word in the Bible is the word behold, uh, uh man, good one. something is always about to go down. <laughs> Yeah. When when that word that word in and of itself is like a truth bomb, you know, it would be a meme. This this is, you know, antiquity's version of a meme, a drop mic moment. Um, yeah. Is is behold, and it's always something amazing, um, something you know, often before miracles, um, but in Job and. And now, of course, my brain is all scrambled, so I feel a little embarrassed, but that's fine. I'm, I'm thinking it's like late Job, like 40-ish. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, it's going down just like you said. And Job, is, is, he's getting angrier and angrier, and uh, I don't want to say rebuking. He's, you know, he's really shaking his fist, though. Mm -hmm. um, and... It goes down. <laughs> There's a behold at the beginning of the sentence. And God says, brace yourself because I am going to question you like a man, which, oh, you know, this is, <laughs> I, I can't imagine being there. It's like, oh, man. There's yeah. no getting out of this. I, I'm about <laughs> to be questioned by, like, we get nervous preparing for a job interview, okay? We yeah. get nervous. Um, I had one guest that was really nervous about doing an interview. Um, you know, we get nervous about all kinds of things. You know, I've been a professional musician for a long time, and still sometimes I'll go out onto a stage, and guys, I've been doing music for more than 20 years, and sometimes I still get nervous. Sure. Um, but man, there are no nerves like brace yourself because you about to are about to be questioned by the creator of the universe yeah, who you've boy. been shouting at for the last long time. Yeah. Um, and then he just lays it out. You know, where were you mm. when I set the world in the motion? Yeah. Um, and man, we. We can't be afraid to ask these questions and to seek understanding um, because at some point you're, you're <laughs> getting out of the awkward conversation, the awkward feeling here on earth is going to mm -hmm. be worth zero mm -hmm. when you have that moment where you have to go and stand before, you know, the creator of life. Mm -hmm. and, and he's not going to be asking you where you were when he said you know, the boundaries for the seas or set the stars in the sky. He's, he's going to be asking you 
questions about you and your life and your choices. Yeah. Um, but man, that there was something that you said that just made me think about that. Yeah, it's a uh, um, Job is a is a really it, there's so much in it. I mean, just so much that deals with the problem of of, of evil and um, uh, you know God within that and uh, spiritual warfare and I mean, just man, there's there's so much um, so much in there. So that's yeah, that's inter that's interesting. I uh, I like I like Job a lot. I like Job a lot my, uh, myself. So I was going to ask you, um, um, I know you're doing the interview here, but this popped into my mind. <laughs> um, are there any of the other guys that, that I know with liking JP Moreland and that kind of that, uh, there's a group there at Talbot that, uh, kind of, uh, deals a lot with apologetics. And there's a couple of other guys involved in that, uh, uh in that group that speak a lot with him or are you familiar with them at all? Or have you listened to them at all? I think, uh, uh, Craig Hazen is maybe one of them, um, who actually I think holds a philosophy degree from Stanford. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think I'm trying to see this book, but this monitor's in the way. It's something um, uh, uh, Sp Spiegel, hmm. I think. I'm gonna fall out of the chair trying to look at this book. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah, but. Uh, yeah, those books and man, these guys are just sharp as a tack with with the history, with philosophy. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that that mutual friend, uh, we we've gone, you know, so many rounds with these different, um, you know, thought leaders. And sure. Man, always a really good good time and, and that's why i call him buggy you too is because something i'm thinking about something and i'm like oh brad's gonna have something good to say about <laughs> this rad brad oh man i i tell you i uh, um yeah it's it, it's a it's a really um so much of my early christian years were you know were spent more or less uh just within the comfort of of, of certain things and and um it's been really a lot of fun the last 15, 20 years to kind of break out of that. And, and man, Joe, I just, I admire, you know, you having young children and stuff. What a blessing. I, I tell you, one of the things that, uh, um, that I think so, so many Christian youth nowadays are, are missing is, um, is, is just what you're talking about. The, the, uh, the ability to, uh, hold some form of apologetic for their faith, uh, beyond just the, the pat answers that maybe they get in youth group or, or whatever. And, and, uh, and I know a lot of youth leaders and, and pastors try to try to address that and try to prepare them. And, uh, but man, it's, it's, it's rough. Uh, you know, I, I know when my kids went away to college, it was, uh, um, it, it's a challenge, you know, it's a challenge to maintain that. I gotta tell you the, I take the charge so seriously and, and Eliza does as well um, you know because the answer is there in scripture when when you're thinking about your children the, the best that you can do is this you train up a child in the way he should go so when they're older they won't depart uh, from you and 
Yeah, because it's the one thing. That's the thing that scares me to death is what's going to happen to my kids when they go out into the world, uh, when they're, you know, they have full agency and they can do and and uh, experience what they want. Um, and I, I know so many parents are like, you know, that training starts when they're teenagers or I can work on that when they're young adults. Um, and that's, that's insufficient. You, you start that when they are an infant and you are relentless about it. Um, truly, truly relentless day in and day out. Um, with, with all of the truth and, um, you know, there's a lot of discipline, there's a lot of punishments, uh, but there's also a lot of grace and mercy, um, explaining to them these different types of love, but also, having tough conversations with your kids avoiding it man we people love to kick the can down the road Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know that's that's not gonna get us anywhere yeah Um, i tell people this all the time you had said something about you know asking the question and this is the importance of asking the question whatever the question is wherever it is where it's appropriate and where there's a relationship that makes it appropriate to ask the question here's why you have to ask i tell people this all the time um i i don't want to be proven right all the time uh, I, I don't desire to be proven wrong either i i do like to be on what, you know, the right side of an issue there, there is an objective right and an objective wrong or incorrect or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but the reason that you've got to ask is because if you don't, uh, what you're doing is literally you're the child with the security blanket. You know, if I can't see the thing that it's not there and it can't hurt me, I, you don't want to be right. Um, and this is why I, this is why I became a Christian. Um, you know, people, I always warn against um, different evangelical tactics where they're like, I'm going to try and and get people into this through fear um, or through, you know, exclusively love. Mm. Um, I I think the reason that we see that God's word alone is sufficient uh, is because truth, what they need is truth, undiluted you know, don't editorialize it, but just speak truth in love. And, mm-hmm. and that's what gets you there because I don't want to be right. I want to be in accordance with whatever's true. Mm-hmm. So the very next instant after someone proves me wrong, especially on a theological issue, then the very next instant I'm right. They've articulated it well. They actually did something really um, generous and loving towards me by bringing me this thing. And this is what we need to do for other people by speaking, uh, you know, what, what we're doing is we're challenging their beliefs, but we don't have to do it in an asinine kind of way. Right. But to get them, you know, to come into the fold in the way that they're going to stay is by getting is by challenging the untruth in their life with truth and it's happened to me all the time from when i was a teenager to now um and it happened to me at church there in oklahoma with some really important uh things 
And man, if those people didn't say those things or didn't challenge me in that way, then I would still be believing the wrong thing. Yeah. 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 And that's, you know, and, and, and unfortunately, um, you, you know, you, you're, you were able to, to be in a place where you could hear that and, and, and actually, uh, take a step back and, and, and realize there was something more important than just being right. Um, and, and that takes some maturity. Um, uh, unfortunately due to, a all kinds of reasons, um, it seems to be fewer, fewer and fewer people who, you know, who have that ability or that, that desire to really know, you know, what is, what is true and, and, and willing to be okay with, with being wrong or being taught something. Um, and that's a hard thing to find nowadays. It, it, it really is. It's a difficult thing to find someone who, um, who has that kind of, of maturity. They're, they're, they're becoming fewer and far between, unfortunately, I think. Yeah, it, it is unfortunate. Uh, absolutely. Man, I always get wrapped up in the conversation in these things. We're probably not even going to cover all these topics, um, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll pivot over um, okay. to another one. And, sure. and man, in, in speaking uh, before the interviews, uh, you nailed it. This is absolutely uh, an issue that people, one, need help identifying and mm -hmm. two, uh, navigating. Yeah. Um, but the idea, you know, that's synthesized in balancing patriotism with faith. Uh, yeah. And now it, 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 it's a word that can get you canceled uh, for saying, you know, nationalist or nationalism. Yeah. Um, but there is, you know, people make up the church, but people go into the building of the church. You know, the church is full of people. Yeah. Uh, so there is an element of nationalism within the church. Yes. It, yeah. There, there just is. And, um, you know, so how do, how do we navigate that? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's even become more, uh, pronounced, um, uh, you know, for better or for worse with, within the last presidency, you know, and, and I, I think, um, I think Trump kind of, of, of emboldened and, 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 uh, brought that out of, of, of a lot of, of a lot of people. And I think some of the reasons that happened were, were very valid. And, and, uh, um, I, I think there are a lot of conservatives within, within the church that their political views, I think they felt like have been silenced and, uh, you know, have been on the fringes for, for so many years. Um, and for the first time, they, they felt they had an advocate, somebody that, that allowed them to, you know, kind of freely speak what, what maybe they hadn't felt the liberty to speak a lot before. And so um, I don't think that's a, a bad thing per se. Uh, I, I do think there was a lot of lack of, of, of maturity involved in it, more or less. But yeah, the idea that, well, first of all, let me just say this, and, and this is a little rough. I, I know the first time I heard this, it probably struck a chord and I was like, whoa, do I, do I think that? And I, I had to kind of check myself because in reality, growing up, I probably did think this, but it's just the truth that God does not love America any more than he loves any other country in the world. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that is true. 
Yeah, and and man, that's a you know we're 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 not uh, special in that sense. We really are not special in that sense. And uh, um, you know, there's there's even an underlying uh, uh, theology that 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 has crept into the church of, of basically kind of a replacement theology that many people feel in the West that America has has you know somewhat they they never actually I think if they were intellectually honest enough to to get there would never, most of them not say it, but there's a, there's a perception or a lived faith that basically would almost embrace that America is, is the next Israel, you know, that, that we're somehow the chosen. <laughs> what? Uh, yes. I have it, not heard this. Oh, well, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, See, I mean, last last time we spoke, you blew up my evening with the red letter Christians that I had never heard <laughs> of. I, I think it's happening again. Oh no, yeah. Well, what I'm speaking of here is is, is a little bit more um, uh, subverted, you know, and, and maybe under the surface. Uh, but but there's a there's a there's a thing. It almost in in and it's you know its roots are rather deep in in, in American culture. Even um, you go back to. Uh, the Western expansion in the U.S. and um, um, there was a very strong sense within a lot of the Reformed uh, theology of of, uh, of conquering America that, that was referred to as manifest destiny. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. uh, embrace that. That essentially, you know, this was a modern promised land for for uh, for New Testament believers coming from from Europe, and um, and and that mentality was. Uh, you know, some of what allowed um, allowed people to uh, uh, oppress Native Americans, uh, um, you know, and, and basically gave some license to conquering uh, the West. And so you've got, you know, a lot of this is somewhat ingrained in us that that um, uh, that that America somehow is is special that way. And I uh, please don't misunderstand me. I think God has greatly blessed America. I think. Uh, we're a nation like no other in the world. I, I think that, uh, you know, uh, to believe those things are not mutually exclusive to saying that God, you know, uh, doesn't love America any more than, than any other country in the world. But um, I think the ability to parse that out and to think about that um, is is huge. You know, um, there there's not uh, sometimes I, I just think we need a reality check. I think there's many things America's done that God has blessed um, blessed us for. Uh, there, there are some events in American history that are amazing. Um, man, going back to uh, the Russian famine of, of the turn of the century and uh, America's utter altruistic involvement in, in developing what became the wheat basket of Russia and Ukraine. Um, you know, just, just we, we, we literally saved hundreds of thousands of starving people with absolutely, as far as I know, no ulterior motive to it. You know, um, you know, the fact that we could go into Japan after World War II, after conquering a nation that was strategic in a place and essentially hand them their country back and, and rebuild it um, in, in, you know, to the result that they were, you know, one of the technological manufacturing giants for the next several decades. Um, there are some things America has done that are incredibly um, Christ-like you know, from a, from a secular government standpoint. And I think God has honored that and blessed that. Um, but I think you have to be real too and say, well, 
people say, well, I want to go back to the old days when America was a Christian nation. And, and some people rightly say, well, when was that? Was that when we were genociding the Native Americans or enslaving, you know, the Africans in the South or, uh, you know, uh, using child labor in the Industrial Revolution? Or, you know, there's there's a lot to our history that is that is no more uh, Christ-like than what any other country did, you know, in that particular time. So, it's got to be looked at with some nuance and there's nothing wrong. I think God loves borders. I, I love borders. I don't want to be one world stud. I don't think it's healthy. Um, and I think we have to learn to in, embrace loving our country, but be able to not conflate that with, with, uh, and think that somehow America is synonymous with the kingdom of God. I think that's a challenge. Man, there's, there's a whole, another interview in, in the <laughs> statement that you just gave. Um, yeah, he, here's the thing. I, I don't really see, man, that's, I, I had not heard this, but yeah, I mean, I hear people say, you know, God's hand is on the nation. Mm -hmm. Um, but come on people. The, the easiest way to just trim the fat here and, and look at this issue in my mind um, is that God loves people. Mm. And there are people, and obviously in every nation, in every place, you know, probably not any people in Antarctica. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, for me, like my... My big issue, and man, 2020, I almost said 2019, I fused 2020 and COVID-19, yeah. um, it's it just kind of, people say sanctity of life, and we're, we're usually um, thinking uh, pro-life or pro-abortion mm -hmm. um, kind of rhetoric here, but also there's a sanctity of life in that, you know, people have free will, uh, and, mm. and that's good that's right um it and is. why is that good and right because that's what the creator of the universe who established morality set into motion and if we weren't meant to if it were better for us not to have it uh, then that's what he would have done mm -hmm. um so i think it's kind of at the heart of a lot of these issues is you know people can think and believe what they want and that's okay and what we do is we get angry uh, when they you know when when we can't get people to bend to our will uh, mm. and if you think about it i've heard a lot of speakers there are some motivational speakers that have made careers on speaking about anger um, mm. and a, a lot of what they're saying is just not true the reason that people get angry um, you know when I, I'm looking at a study of history, a study of scripture, the reason people get angry is because they're not in control mm, and yes. um, someone else's will or God's will is manifesting itself in reality and we want it to be something else and we're angry. Yes. Um, you know, my, my wife doesn't do this. My friend doesn't do this. My boss, my... Uh, my subordinate at work doesn't do this and I wanted them to do this other thing and I'm angry. Uh, and mm. it's, you're angry because <laughs> you're not the creator of the universe. You don't get to make people do what you want and believe what they want. And the interesting thing is 
Praise God that you're not, because you would have been a totalitarian uh, yes. uh, God, you know? Yeah, <laughs> you would have been yes. a dictatorial God and, and build the gold statues and carry my <laughs> throne seat and whatnot. Um, yeah, but man, we're in a place where so many people think that they know better. They know better than all the ancient philosophers. They know better than all of the, you know, scholars, poppers, people, historians, and and truly, truly, if they really examine their heart, they know better than God. And, yeah. you know, you open that door and look who's sitting on the throne of your heart. A lot of people, there's just a big mirror there. Yeah. And they, they say, hello, me. Man, wow. you're so good controlling <laughs> everything. But guess what? We we're actually, we hardly have control of anything. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's why we get angry. Um, and that's why I think this nationalism idea causes division. Um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that way. It's okay. Mm -hmm. I'm a person that loves this country. Um, and there are people who don't. And while it doesn't make sense to me, I'm like, if you don't love this country, then move. Yeah. Um, but if I think about it, if the roles were reversed, if I, wanted the country to be something different that I loved, then I would stay and, and try and make that change. It's actually a reason that I moved back to Virginia. Virginia is what I consider my home. Uh, Virginia is largely considered liberal now. Um, and, you know, I can kind of cede the territory and just pack up and move somewhere, you know, where my beliefs are considered mainstream, um, you know, and a state's a microcosm of the nation. I love the state of Virginia. I'm not going to uh, pick up and just move. I'm going to stay and have the conversations and understand that I'm not in control of what goes on here. The best I can do is kind of evangelize, evangelize yeah. in all forms of the word, evangelize uh, for my beliefs and the faith, um, but also you know, they're one and the same, but people will argue and say that they're not. So evangelize for what other people will say is conservatism. Um, a, a lot of this stuff is wrapped up in, in the same beliefs. And, and that's a whole nother podcast episode that maybe we'll have <laughs> later. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, man, you, you really, it, it's funny how at the end of the day, uh, a lot of this gets reduced down to what really is a simple, but really profound truth. And, um, what you're saying about people just um, being wanting to be in control and, and basically wanting to be God that has been the that has been you know the the sin since Adam and um, you know that ability to to surrender to God first and and um, which I think brings about a, a humility and an ability to kind of surrender some of our own right to be heard and our, our, our ability to listen and, and learn from others I think it begins there. And, and um, um, what you said just brought something to my memory, Joe. I, I, years ago, I, I was a young Christian. I was about 18 years old. And I had a, I, uh, I had moved away and going to a Christian training school and, and uh, kind of working to be part of a parachurch ministry that did a lot of work in, in uh, inner cities and stuff in America. But there was a, there was a, uh, uh, a teacher from New Zealand. He was a, a brilliant man, organic chemist, um, 
who had met Christ and, and really had given his life to, to serve the Lord. And, and uh, uh, his name was, was uh, William Pratney. And, and um, I just remember, I believe it was him who, who asked the question, at the end of the day, um, one question really determines where we're at and who we are. And, um, and he just said, this is it. He said, why do you do the things you do and who do you do them for? And, um, and man, that question just laid me bare, you know, um, uh, uh, to answer that question, honestly, I think really, uh, defines who we're surrendered to, you know, and, and, and who we desire uh, to be in control. But why, why do you do the things you do and who do you do them for? And, um, I never forget that. Man. Yeah, that's. That's uh, one of those reflection moments, you know, <laughs> if, if you're really going to do it, if you're going to Sunday school it and say, Jesus, or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but if you're really going to do it, that's a powerful question. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it is. I, I was going to ask you too. Be, being there, you know, kind of uh, um, uh, pretty, you know, in Virginia and of course, of course, within the, the DC metro area and kind of the the, the seat of government where things are happening here in a country. I mean, I just, um, do you, do you see much, um, I, I know being here in the South, uh, Southwest, um, I, I see a lot of the, of the conflation of nationalism and, and, you know, patriotism and, and Christianity that way. Um, uh, and of course we, we see it here in the form of, uh, you know, right to bear arms and stuff, which I'm certainly an advocate for. Um, just a variety of things, but I mean, do you see, do you feel you see less of that where you're at, or do you feel like it's just as alive and well? Oh, it, it's alive and well. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I hate identity politics uh, and mm-hmm. what that means in our culture, but yeah. man, politics has become the defining Thing of many people's identity mm-hmm. yeah and it's you know it's undeniable um and it's sad to say uh but there are christians that you can tell in your interactions with them uh that they identify first as an american or statesman or mm-hmm. you know if they're really into it they might say a federalist um mm-hmm. but they yeah. identify first as an American and they'll all say they'll put on their profiles and they'll always say, you know, um, God country family or something like that. They'll always put faith first. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when you speak to people and you can tell, you can tell by the language that people use by the order in which they speak, um, you know, where where your treasure is there, your heart is, you can tell in your interactions uh, what's really going on. Uh, But man, you know, America, our, our culture is unique for a lot of ways. Uh, one of the things that we do here that's not done in other countries is when you introduce yourself, um, people ask you what your name is and then your occupation, what do you do? Exactly. It's like tethered <laughs> to that thing, man. It's yes. just like, oh, hey, Brad, what do you do? Yes. Um, uh, which isn't, you know, it's trivial. It's not important, um, you know, what you do. Uh, you know, there's some other countries where the question is, who are you? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. 
which is, you know, Americans would have a hard time answering that because you know what we would say? We would say, well, I'm Joe. I'm Joe Mobley. I consult. And then the, the other person would say, why, wait, why did you just tell me what your job is? I asked you who you were. And yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's become such a part of the way that we do life here. Um, and people, they'll sneak it in. They'll sneak these indicators in as in they want you to, to out yourself politically. And I can tell you, you know, colleagues do this. Um, uh, church friends do this. Family does this. They do it all the time. Um, and they'll say something and they'll say, uh, there'll always be a right question mark at the end. Mm-hmm. Like, man, I can't believe these crazy people voting for Trump. I can't believe 76 million people voted for Trump, right? <laughs> yes. uh, or like, man, I can't wait to send off that mail-in ballot for Biden, right? Yeah. Um, and it's, <laughs> first off, people, we, we know what you're doing. Yes. Like we, that, that bait's pretty obvious. <laughs> um, but man... I, I got to tell people, lean into that. Um, I do. And I realize that I, you know, I know a lot about the issues and stuff. Um, but there was a point where I didn't. And yeah. all I did was ask people what they thought and why. Um, you know, start there because mm-hmm. <laughs> otherwise, you know, people think that life is like a movie and there'll be all these signs um, you know, wake up movies have millions of dollars poured into them. Uh, and, and one of the chief assets of a movie is the script. And then they have the director. All of that stuff is being fashioned. Every word poured over, uh, the look on your face, the direction that you're looking, your stance, where you are in the room, when you're saying what, all of yeah. that stuff is meticulously poured over. Life isn't like that. We don't get a lot of burning bushes. I'm only aware of one uh, burning <laughs> bush in the history of the universe. Um, mm-hmm. We don't always get, um, you know, an archangel to come down and tell us what our child's life is going to be. Yeah. So we have to be, um, what's her name? Uh, she's one of the Ramsey personalities. Uh, mm. Christy? Christy Wright, she says, you have to be present where you are. Lean Mm -hmm. in to those opportunities. And and (laughs) I haven't said this on the podcast. It's interesting. My personal brand statement is inspiring the pursuit of excellence and authenticity. Um, And Brad knows, like you've seen me drive musicians. Um, I I, I do like to achieve excellence. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of the design, you know, we were put here to work and, um, and, uh, to you know, my new church is uh, part of their thing is discover purpose. Uh, and you know, we were made for a specific purpose. Mm. Uh, but man, if you're avoiding all these conversations, you are not being your authentic self, um, oh, which so is true. another way to say that you're in the closet and I, I want to encourage you to lean in and, and be exposed. It's Okay. You'll survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Good, good, good word. Good encouragement, man. To to that, I uh, I agree. I I think it's um, and and the truth is is that if if we don't, um, we're just going to give up more and more of that philosophical and, and cultural ground 
um, to those around us because we, we really do have a pr- tremendous position and we have history on our side. We've got um, a great deal of truth. And, and I mean, there's just, there's so many good reasons to not be quiet. Um, but I, but I do think that we, um, it's easy to be intimidated. The voices are so loud on the other side and um, everywhere you turn, whether it's print, whether it's uh, social media, whether it's, it's uh, televised media, whatever it is, um, you know, they, they want you to feel that, that you are a diminishing minority, you know, and, uh, um, and it's, it's, uh, it's not true. It, it'll, 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 it will be true if we don't, uh, do what you're encouraging people to do. Yeah. If, if we give away all this ground, um, then we'll find ourselves wondering where it went. Uh, Brad and I won't. We'll say, guys, we gave it away. Uh, but yeah. so, so many people will will kind of be, you know, what happened. Um, I've had a lot of people asking me now because it's become relevant, you know, what's the deal with socialism? What's the deal with communism? Is this good? Is this bad? Can we actually turn into a socialist nation? Um, you know, what, is, what does that look like? And I tell them, yeah, of course we can. One, uh, we can legislate just about anything here sure. in the U.S. Uh, that's that's the framework, um, you know, and there may be a situation where we can legislate it in and then change our minds and legislate it out. Uh, but, man, just like you said, if we keep giving up ground, then we're going to wake up one day and ask, where did it all go? Yeah. Uh, well, and, and we're being bribed uh, constantly. Um, you know, I was listening to the news today on the, on the current stimulus package. Uh, there's no doubt. And I, I wouldn't want to argue the, you know, the merits or, or, uh, or lack thereof of, of that entire package, but certainly, um, there's a lot of, of essentially what I think is just, uh, a governmental bribe going on where, where, um, you know, we're, we're going to vote to give money to many working Americans um, who, you know, might be a little tight. I understand my, my business has not thrived during this particular time either per se, but, uh, um, uh, but we're essentially going to, to take money. We don't have, we're going to print money to give money to people who are still working, who don't necessarily need this. And again, I'm not speaking to those who might truly need it. Uh, that's a different story, but, um, it's, it's just, it's more and more of, of the, uh, um, uh, man, um, I, I just can't help but feel that there isn't a design in that to, uh, to create dependency. Uh, and, um, you know, when you can pull unemployment and earn more money than you were making when you were working, there's, there's something wrong with that picture, you know? So without... Without getting into the specifics of different economic policies and stimulus packages and whatnot, I just want to, uh, this hasn't come up in interview, so I'm going to blast it out to the world. (laughs) All of kind of economic thought and political thought can be, and particularly political economic thought, can be synthesized in just two really simple, you know, questions, thought experiments, whatever you want to call it. Um, one, and I recently heard this on, on another show and I'm like, oh man, I'm so glad she says this. I'm, I tell people this all the time. 
you care about yourself more than anyone else. Period. <laughs> My wife loves me to death, um, but she she cares about herself more, uh, which surprise of all surprises, guys, that's the design. The chief relationship is between man and God, you know, uh, yes. love your neighbor as yourself. But also you you actually have to love yourself. You have to think, man, the creator of the universe made me, cares about me, made me for a purpose and for a time. And all that stuff is true. That's a whole, I'm getting on a different soapbox here. That's um, good. But man, you love yourself more than anybody else does. Uh, so you have your best interest in, at heart. It's yeah. the oldest con in the book to say, hey, random person comes to town and says, hey, I want to take care of you. I want to look out for you. And it's like, well, does that person have their interest at heart or my interest? They're saying they're just here to serve me. But I'm telling you, no one wants to serve you better than you. Nobody wants for you to achieve more than you want you to achieve. No one wants you to succeed more than you want you to succeed. Your biggest fan isn't as bought into whatever you're selling than you are. And the other side, the other thought, and Dave Ramsey preaches this gospel. It's not an actual gospel, but man, he preaches this all the time. The government doesn't have a job. The government doesn't have a means of making money. That's right. Uh, they don't deliver a commodity they don't deliver a value to the world they perform a civic function which is good government is good but they don't produce anything so because of that there's an intellectual problem and i i say you people liberals you guys do this you guys commit a crazy intellectual fallacy the only way for the government to give away a resource um, money, property, anything like that is to take it. Yeah, exactly. Or to, or to ask you to give it to them. Yes. Because they don't have a job. They don't have a means of creating value and pushing it out into the world. So because you have your own best interest at heart and you are capable of making money and producing things of value that's how this works that's conservatism as far as economics goes all in a nutshell just those two points you've got your best interest at heart the government even if they tried they can't care about you more than you and the same thing goes for health and that can go into a COVID 19 rabbit hole but we'll sidestep <laughs> that and say you you, whoever you are listening to this, you make more money than the government because the government makes zero. Yep. We give them money. Yep. Yeah. And and Brad's right. There are people who are really on hard times. And I, I don't talk about it a lot, but 2020 has been a good year for me, and it truly has. Um, we, we've achieved all kinds of goals and things that we set out to do as a family. Um, but I can tell you this, uh, the number one thing that we did is we give a lot of money. Um, we, we give a lot of our time to organizations, to nonprofits, to 
to uh, not missions uh, to the church, mm-hmm. and and man, you know we've been blessed and and we do unto others for sure, but man, the government's just not the answer to so many of these problems. No, no, man, you you nailed it. That's that's really true. And I mean, really, at the end of the day, Joe, you know the the core of what we're talking about here it's it's always a spiritual um, answer. You know, it's, it's, there's, can't compartmentalize this stuff. All, all truth ultimately belongs to God and, and, uh, um, and, and you can't, you know, you can't isolate this stuff into secular and spiritual at the end of the day. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it really all, you know, so, so you talk about, you know, being generous and giving and, and, and those things. I mean, man, there's a spiritual element of that God. You know, whether you like it or not, and it certainly can't be your motivation because uh, God will see your heart in that real quick. But um, but to, to, to have a heart to give, I mean, man, there's a spiritual dynamic there that God blesses. You know, God uh, blesses generous people. And, uh, um, you know, I think that uh, um, I think America's full of, of generous people. Uh, you, just, you just look at it, man, how quickly people want to want to give to, to causes and things and, uh, whatever it is. I mean, it's, it's really, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a pretty cool thing to see, but I mean, at the end of the day, it just, it just reminded me, even you're talking about that, that, uh, that at the end of the day, every, every problem, everything that we face, uh, economics belong to God, uh, um, you know, uh, properly run government belongs to God. I mean, it's all, it's all founded. There's a, there's a spiritual truth that underlies all of that. Absolutely. Uh, so, so last thing here, you know, take as, be as brief or take as long as you'd like. Um, <laughs> you know, just, I would like for all kinds of people to listen to this podcast. Um, but I, I know the audience is probably exclusively uh, conservatives, except for my relatives. And, and for those relatives that are listening, thanks so much. And if there are liberals out there, man, like shoot me a tweet or something. Let me know that you're here. <laughs> I appreciate you. Um, but just advice or uh, just, a word, if you could just give a word to everyone, um, you know, religious people, irreligious people, conservatives, liberals, just, just people, um, prob- probably Americans. I don't foresee having international listeners, uh, but hey, I'll let you know if I got some. But if, if you could just, you had everyone's ear and you just got to give them a word, Brad, take it away. <laughs> Wow, I guess if I had to reduce it down to to uh, to one thing for everyone, it it would be a challenge to uh, to really become a lover of truth uh, in 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 everything that you're that you're faced with, and to approach whatever it is you're addressing or or exploring or standing on uh, or whatever you believe is to approach that with with a sincere desire to know the truth. Um, uh, I think there's a, I think there's a power in that. Um, and whether you believe it or not, I, I think there's a spiritual side to that, that God, I think God, uh, uh, rewards those who seek, seek what is true. And, um, 
And so you can apply it to, to every single thing that you do. I don't care if it's your job, economics, raising your children, um, just, just anything. Uh, to ask that question, you know, what, what is true here? Um, uh, my goodness, uh, I'm not sure we would listen to too much televised news anymore if we, if we really asked that question. But, um, but I, think, I think that's a super important area to, to ask that in. And, um, and not to be discouraged with, with seeking that, to understand it's a process and it takes time and it takes energy and sometimes you get tired and that's okay. You can take a break, but, uh, but to be a sincere lover of truth and seeker of what, what is true in whatever it is you're, uh, uh, you're addressing. I, I think that would probably be a, uh, an underlying, if I had to pick one great encouragement for anybody listening, I think it would be that. Man, I, I love it. Uh, a lover of truth. That's, if people latched onto that, uh, the world would be a better place. And, it would. And Brad and I know uh, the the end of that road uh, takes you to Proverbs nine ten, uh, takes you to the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, oh, yeah. uh, just the beginning. Yeah. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Um, man, that's that's a great place to end a lover of truth that's like if you're gonna get a tattoo you should get that tattooed on you that'd be pretty good i never thought of that yeah i don't lover. think my wife will let me get a true a tattoo yet but uh <laughs> man well brad uh always a good time speaking with you thanks for being on the show still weird it's still weird for me to say the Pleasure. joe mobley show but thanks so much for being on yeah my pleasure thank you for having me joe Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Joe Mobley Show. Remember to subscribe and make sure you don't miss out on future content. You can always show your support by leaving a review or making a financial contribution by going to thejoemobleyshow.com and hitting support the show. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. If that was the first prayer you've ever prayed, I hope it won't be the last. Until next time, this is The Joe Mobley Show.